Welcome to another night of chills as Upstart Arts presents Twilight Thriller Radio. Tonight, in Marilla, we pull back the veil between life and death. But first, a word from our sponsor. We shiver with affright in the silence of the night as the ghouls within the steeple send their groaning to the people, keeping time, time, time in a sort of runic rhyme in the throbbing and the sobbing of the bells. And now, Twilight Thriller Radio takes you to a greenhouse and the woman who has filled the space with Cypress Hemlock and perhaps something more. I've known the voice my whole life. Whispers, touches every life in her time. But with me, it felt different. We are each other's equal. There was no one like Morella. She was my beloved. Morella. We met, and fate bound us together. From our first meeting, she made my soul burn with fire it had never before known. As friends, I regarded her with deep affection. So I married her, the brilliant Morella, and we were attached to each other. It rendered me happy. It is happiness to wonder. It is happiness to dream. Professor Morella's erudition was profound. Studying with her at the, at the university, I realized undergrad had barely prepared me for what true knowledge could be. Destiny brought me to study here, and Morella's intellect and understanding far surpassed my own, or that of any professor or expert I ever met. William, can you move these seedlings into the moon chamber? You want the cypress saplings with the hemlock for moonlight exposure? Yes, and add more of the growth extraction to the soil, and record the pH before nightfall. I want to see if it alters the root system growth. This was the usual plant food, her own blood. We became friends over time and many evenings when others were gone, I'd assist in collection for the growth extraction. Our modern botany lab, oddly equipped with blood drawing equipment. The goal, of course, is the perfect balance. A system that can blend my hereditary folk knowledge with the latest technology. As I hope to live, my dear Morella's talents were of no common order. Her powers of mind were gigantic. Her background in botany was both science and lore. Born in Salem, some of her inclinations felt mystical to academics. Yet her science was solid, results indisputable. She was tinkering on the edge of science that challenged death itself. Perhaps on account of her Salem education, 
the professor placed into her work a number of supernatural writings which are considered fanciful in hard science. In process of time, they became my own. They overtook the entire department and expanded to a level of attention Morella did not desire. In many ways, greater success in the lab drove her deeper into the work, further from anyone but myself and her wife, Beth. Professor Morella, the seedlings are ready for the evening. Do you need anything else before I leave for the night? Uh, yes, William. Can you hook me up to the machine before you go? Some of the professor's veins had started to change, turning a darker blue, even gray. I was no doctor, but my fears grew that she would become anemic from giving too much of her blood to the experiments. I asked if I could donate, or if we could use blood from an animal source, but she insisted firmly, it must be her own. Morella. William, do you hear that? I hear the sprinklers coming on. You summoned me, Morella, by cypress, myrtle, and vine. Are you? For not the first time, Morella looked fragile and her skin paled, as if her genius was overwhelming the human body attempting to contain her. I have observed your studies, Morella. You have found a way to bypass the shadows and the dying of day. Death! Morella, are you all right? Who are you talking to? I... I'm fine, William. Please head home. Thank you. She turned me toward the door, her hand as cold as ice, and I was dismissed. Looking over my shoulder, I saw her yank the needle from her arm, ceasing the collection. Then she rushed into the greenhouse. I sensed that all was not well with the professor. Your cypress has opened the passage between this world and the afterlife, Morella. I could smell it from the shores of the Styx, the scent of blood, death, and the divine. You are death. You have come for me? Death, to some, life to others, as there's always comes a springtime. You have been beckoning me. Yes, but only to inquire after... To ask if I must take all life. To know if there is perhaps another way. Yes. Who are you, Morella? I'm a scientist, a professor. <laughs> That's what you do. Are you only what you do? I'm a wife. A woman, a lesbian. I've been a daughter. Who are you, Morella? Who are you to summon me and ask if you can avert death? While I play all the roles I mentioned and can define their meaning or regulate their vague intensity, I feel a forbidden spirit kindling within me. Hmm. Singular words with a strange meaning. My trees in the lab. I've heard the call of your shadows and studied your ways. There is no tincture of mysticism I have not sampled. 
Pouring over forbidden pages, I've raked up from the ashes a dead philosophy. Ah, ask your question. I know who I am in this life, and I ask you, respectfully, have I found the side door, the way around earthly ends? (laughs) Do you believe you discovered the way around death? Unless I am greatly mistaken, either in my deeds or in my thoughts, yes. I believe you have even guided me to the garden gate. Your plants are beautiful, Marilla. They glow with life. Until. No! No, what are you doing? Please stop killing my plants! How easily I can wilt them. How fragile this seedling's life until you add your potion. The the blood extraction. Clever. There is much beauty in your imagination, Marilla. I see how everything you are, everything you have been, your very life has guided you to this moment. A woman who knows and loves womanhood tore through the veil between worlds. You indeed discovered the way around the garden gate. But a cypress tree is not a human life. Can it work? The blood magic. Can it evade human death the same? You are a precious spirit. Your essence and consciousness both worth much to me. So you agree that consciousness, that the very definition of a being and its identity, is part of what makes a life? As the philosophy state. Hmm. I feel much more life in you yet to grow, Morella. Perhaps we can reach an arrangement. And before we tell you what that arrangement will be, a word from our sponsor. Through the balmy air of night, how they ring out their delight, how it swells, how it tells of the rapture that impels, keeping time, 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 in a sort of runic rhyme, in the rhyming and the chiming of the bells. return to the tale of Marilla. Indeed, the mystery of my beloved wife's manner pressed me as a spell. She insisted she wanted a child, and because I could never refuse her anything, I agreed. We went into the process and found a donor. We were both hopeful. But as months progressed, the pregnancy took a toll on her, mind and body. While her physical health waned, matters of life and death, specifically cheating death, turned to obsession.
please, Beth, can you bring me more books from my office today? Of course. Perhaps you'll read to me as you used to. <laughs> Not these. I want the old texts from Salem. William will know. You must have read those a hundred times. I know. Did you want me to get you anything new? Maybe something fun from the library? A novel? A mystery? I miss the time we used to spend together with books, my beloved. No. I must have my text. They hold the answers. The key to summoning death. To getting past her. Morella, you are not dying. You are simply having a difficult pregnancy. Beth, you fail to understand. You, who have loved me more than anyone, you know me so deeply. Why can't you see it? She's been here. She has touched me. Seated into my womb that unspeakable and forbidden magic. No one has been here. Here. Let me check your temperature. Oh, Morella, you're burning up again. You need to rest right now. No Salem books until you rest. Death has been here. She pressed her dark gift into my skin. I could no longer bear the touch of her wan fingers, nor the luster of her melancholy eyes. I longed to remember when her voice was full of passion for her work, notes skimming over na Latin names of plants. You must understand, Beth. You must know. Death herself with her unflinching heart has told me. I will never die, but you must get my books. One October evening, when her due date was only days away, Morella called me to her bedside. There was the dim mist over all the earth and a warm glow upon the waters, and amid the rich autumn leaves of the forest, a rainbow had surely fallen. It is a day to live or die. I don't know what you mean. You aren't going to die, my beloved. It is a fair day for us, the daughters of heaven, and for death. Morella. I kissed her forehead to comfort her, wishing her fever to break, hoping for some relief from the madness consuming my beautiful and brilliant Morella. Hour after hour, I lingered by her side and dwelled upon the now dark music of her voice. I'm dying. The doctor thinks you will pull through. When I'm gone, you must have William go on with my trees. Please tell him. He knows what to do. The extraction must soak the roots. He can take all my blood when I die. No. No more blood. You need your blood, and so does the baby. Rest now. You'll be well when the baby comes. You can go forward with your research. I repeat, I am dying, Beth. You must not say such things. Here, I've brought a book of poems. Pick one and I'll read for you. This one. A valentine. For her this rhyme is penned, whose luminous eyes, brightly expressive, shall find her own sweet name, holds a treasure divine, talisman, an amulet that must be worn at heart. Search well the measure, the words, the syllables. Do not forget the trivialest point, or you may lose your labor. Still form a synonym for truth. Cease trying. You will not read the riddle, though you do the best you can do. Perhaps another one, beloved? One less gloomy? 
How about when my spirit departs, my daughter shall live, our daughter. But I foresee sorrow, that sorrow which is the most lasting of impressions as the cypress is the most enduring of trees. I am dying and yet you will see, death will keep her promise, I shall live. length her lovely voice became a melody tainted with terror and there fell a shadow upon my soul i grew pale as i tended her bedside and shuddered inwardly at those unearthly tones she uttered and thus my joy faded into horror and the most beautiful became the most hideous shall i then say that i longed in earnest and consuming desire for the moment of morella's decease i did my loyal wife Beth, Elizabeth, our hours of happiness are over. We have known a love more than love, and yet joy is not gathered twice in a life, as the roses of passion are twice in a year. Please rest, Morella. Please, there are many more happy times ahead of us and our little girl. Imagine the joy of her playing in your garden, helping you in your greenhouse. She was fragile, everything about her. I cursed the days, the hours, the bitter moments, which seemed to lengthen and lengthen as her gentle life declined. No medicine helped. No doctor could aid Morella. I knew she was right. My beloved wife was dying. I did not know what worried me more. The death of Morella or the knowing that her child could die as well. We play no more with time, Beth. By the myrtle and vine, you shall bear my shroud. I'm not sure I understand, Morella. What myrtle and vine? Do you want something from the greenhouse? Shall I call William? He came to see you earlier. I am in the shadow now. Remember, Morella, you shall die and yet live. I am ready. I met the glance of her meaning eyes, and my soul sickened. My nerves were tortured through the entire delivery of our daughter. Morella's crimson cheeks passed into white, and the blue veins upon the pale forehead became prominent. And in one instant, as I heard the first cry of the child, my heart melted as one who gazes downward into some dreary and unfathomable abyss. Morella turned away her face upon the pillow, and a slight tremor coming over her limbs, my beloved was gone. As she predicted, she died in childbirth. The child came, a radiant girl with Morella's raven hair and bright, wise eyes. She looked so much like her mother, and yet the inimitable Morella was no more. <laughs> Morella. 
As my beloved breathed no more, her daughter lived, and she grew strangely in stature and intellect, and was the perfect resemblance of her departed mother. Tell me, mother, do you love me today? Of course, sweet girl. I love you more than a person on earth has ever loved anyone. <laughs> and my other mother loved me too? Yes. As you know, she gave her life for yours. Sometimes, as I looked at the child, grief and gloom swept over me like a storm cloud. That her smile was like her mother's I could bear. But then I shuddered at its too perfect identity. That her eyes were like Marella's I could endure. But then they too often look down into the depths of my soul with Morella's own intense and bewildering meaning. I found it unusual that Beth did not use her daughter's name. Always sweet girl or child. Most unusual. Still, when Beth came to the university to work in her department, she still regularly visited the greenhouse that was Morella's, and like a bird taking to flight, the child took to the work of the plants and trees, not unlike her mother. How do the vines know how to hold on, William? You see here, these are tendrils. They search around for something to hold on to, like your hand. That's silly. A vine can't grow on my hand. Of course it can if you held still for a very long time. And what of these trees? Those are young hemlock and cypress. They belonged to your mother, part of her research. We weren't able to make it work without her input, but I keep them to remember her. The cypress is quite lovely. It was her favorite as well. With no small bewilderment, I watched the child's fascination increase as she visited the cypress trees. One day I noticed they had started growing again. New branches and green young pine cones beginning to form. Seeing my child in the greenhouse burned upon my memory. She grew tall and strong, but also her mental being. As William taught her, she rapidly developed in both intuition and understanding of the work her mother had done. Before my Morella, I had never been one for superstition, but terrible were the tumultuous thoughts which crowded upon me while watching my sweet child. In less time than expected, the child's playful laughter turned into a serious nature and faculties far beyond her years. She joined us in the botany labs after her usual school, able to meticulously document and observe experiments, as well as make insightful suggestions on progress. This child seemed, by all accounts, capable of continuing her mother's work before even getting a driver's license. She reminds me so much. The daughter of a genius. I know. <laughs> My undergrads are intimidated by a 10-year-old these days. I know this will sound crazy. Like, totally insane. Sometimes I'm convinced she's... That she's... It feels like that, but there's no way, Beth. You just want her to be Morella. However, 
I wanted to show you. Morella's trees are thriving. Terror swept through me as William and I entered the lab. My sweet child kneeled before the trees, a knife in one hand and blood trickling down her arm onto the roots of a tall cypress. Mother, William, I found the perfect plant food for these trees. No, no! William, did you tell her about the extractions? Of course not! The other woman told me, Mother. The one who whispers and moves in shadows. I could no longer hide the truth from my soul, nor throw off those perceptions. As I was compelled to love my daughter, I was equally in agony. Was this growing girl my beloved wife? How was it possible? I dared not speak of the matter, knowing others would call me mad, say it was a wild tale or magical thinking. And as I gazed upon her eloquent face, day after day I discovered new and perplexing points of resemblance in the child to her mother. Mother, will I ever have a real name? You have a real name. You are my sweet. <laughs> That's not a name. Other girls at school have names, like Isabel or Margaret or Anna. Do you have a name you prefer? I want an adult name. Elizabeth, like you have, or William. A name that's beautiful, womanly, and serious. My child's voice was growing into the musical tones I had so adored in her mother. Oh, and above all, I thought of the name that was now dead on the lips of the loved and the living. Though it was scrolled on my daughter's birth certificate, we never used it. Morella's name passed with her. I rarely spoke of her mother to my sweet. Despite the years, I still found it difficult. At length, I decided there was no name more beautiful, womanly, or wise. A name that would carry my daughter into a profound and successful life as it had her mother. After all, what silly nonsense was it to think, even for a moment, that the same soul could be living first in my beloved wife, then our daughter? I would honor the sacrifice made in childbirth. I would bestow the best name upon the best young woman. It was a small gathering at the university chapel for the baptism. Beth had decided to mark the occasion of her daughter taking the name of her mother formally, a noble and well thought out gesture in my estimation. No one could have foreseen the terror to come that afternoon as the pastor leaned the girl over and the name was spoken. Morella. Morella. Suddenly, the child's lanky body went limp. Her eyes went glassy and she fell to the floor. We heard a whisper as if from the grave. The voice was so familiar. I am here. And the younger Morella was gone taken from this life as if recalled by the angels in an instant.
Marilla. I accompanied Beth and the fallen young Marilla to the mausoleum where we had buried the professor approximately a decade past. Again, it was October. And again, before anyone arrived, I kneeled on the earth and dug a hole for another cypress tree. I knew it would have been the wish of my dear friend, two cypress trees, each having been treated with her own blood and raised in moonlight. It was of no surprise to me, however, upon arriving at the graveyard to see Morella's namesake, Belladonna, vining up the side of the building. It was a distinctly cold, calm afternoon when we met William and a few friends to inter my beloved daughter's body with that of her mother. The cypress he planted had grown tall, with knotty roots nudging against the mausoleum, almost as if the tree itself cradled the tomb of my beloved wife. Ah, there are no words. I am so sorry for your loss. Thank you, and yours as well. It was endearing watching, watching you and little Marella in the greenhouse and lab. Her mother would have loved that you took the time to do that. She was a pleasure. She, it was almost like the professor was still around. I know that sounds odd. No, not odd at all. Not to me. What? Where is she? Where is Marella? Footprints in the dust. My wife is gone! Years may pass away, but never, never will the memory of that moment disappear. When the mausoleum was opened, we saw an empty coffin. Fearing a robbery, police were called in, but there was no evidence of tampering. In fact, they were sure that at some point the door had been opened from the inside. It looked as if someone had actually walked out of the tomb, but the professor had died. Unbelievably, no traces of the first Morella remained when we came to inter the second. How could it be? Morella. Now, I keep no reckoning of time or place. The stars of my fates have faded from heaven, and the earth feels a dark place with figures passing me each day like flitting shadows. In each face, I seek her. I look for Morella. I listen for her murmur and receive on the wind only a bitter laugh. <laughs> Each day I pass the campus chapel and remember the collapse of her daughter. Each day I see her trees that split into everlasting life by her own blood. Each day I wonder, is the younger Morella at rest in the mausoleum? In those moments, I ponder Morella's theory of death. I remember how she told me that all she was, all she knew, was leading to a consciousness which always accompanies thinking in a rational being. Morella believed 
that to deeply embrace our personal identity creates the notion of that identity which at death is not lost forever. I knew then and know now, it is not possible. No one gets around death. Morella. <laughs> and now a final word from our sponsor. How they tinkle, 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 while the stars that oversprinkle in the heavens seem to twinkle with a crystalline delight, keeping time, time, time in a sort of runic rhyme in the jingling and the tinkling of the bells. Upstart Arts is an all-volunteer, non-profit theatrical collective. Morella was adapted from the Edgar Allan Poe original by Rissa Miller. Twilight Thriller radio theme composed by Miguel Vela. Michelle Denise Norton, director. Gail Eubank, composing and sound editing. Meredith Singleton, Morella. Jasmine Graham, Death. Ashley White, Death. Paige Gross. William. Find us on social media at Upstart Arts or Upstart Arts PA to discover what our next project will be. Thank you for listening to another episode of Twilight Thriller Radio. Don't forget to water your plants. <laughs>